All right, so where we, we were... I'll make you do another quick intro. All right, here we go. Hey, hey, everybody, that's right. Another episode, and you are on the air with a powwow with Pops coming to you from Gainesville, Florida. We are at Big Blue's. I had a little situation with the Zoom recorder, and so it didn't quite... My battery issues, I'm going to have to work on that, sorry. Um, but my guest today is Caleb Stewart. Uh, he's a gentleman that I met about 20 years ago, uh, and we were at the point of him explaining the point of him moving to Gainesville. And so where do we go from there? Sorry for the interruption. Okay. <laughs> you want me to re Yeah, give it a little, little reiteration, please. Okay, yeah, I had been out west in California for like a year and a half after high school skateboarding, and I hurt my ankle pretty bad in San Francisco. So I had to fly home to Tampa, and the plan was to go to community college, but all I ended up doing is hanging out with friends and skateboarding and stuff like that. Right, what anybody um, that age would have done, usually. So <laughs> my big plan was to move to Gainesville to go to Santa Fe Community College, and not be distracted because I didn't know anyone in Gainesville. Right. Um, which totally worked. <laughs> not really. Not, not really. Not um, at all. Anyway, I remember that time because it was really I was really lonely. I had a four track and I'd make a lot of acoustic recordings that I thought sucked. Right. But it was something to do. I lived alone. And the first show where I actually met somebody that I went to was Section 8 with, I was saying, Ben Builderass and Fat Vacuum. And the first person I met was Brian Johnson after the show. And I just remember I told him how awesome they sounded. And I think I liked him because they sounded like Minor Threat. Yeah. And I was just impressed because he was so nice to me. He's still a super yeah. right guy. Um, and I think he could tell I was new in town. And he right. just kind of always would come up and say hi to me after that if I'd see him at Gainesville's always been good that. for that. Right. I think. Yes, for sure. And then the next person I met in town that ended up being a lifelong friend was Chris Wallard. At the time, I was working in the English lab at Santa Fe to help with part of the financial aid. And I remember I was wearing a Lifetime t-shirt working in there, and Chris had to go to the lab for something and he always says he saw me and I had a lifetime shirt on, so he came straight to me. Right, right. At the time, he looked scary. He had a shaved head and a beard about four foot long and an army jacket. He looked like a Vietnam vet that had <laughs> gotten cracked in the head. Um, but anyway, that's funny. We talked and we'd smoke outside after classes and shit, um, share rides to school. Yeah. And. Uh, <laughs> That's awesome. That's a very good <laughs> just description. So then he's like... A really fucking crazy looking Unabomber. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he lived in like... He called it... They 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 called it an apartment. But it was like... You remember that? It was yeah. like a broom closet at the back of Jason Black's house. Yeah, yeah. It was that little spot that him Tiny. And he had Bama. He, all he had in there was a plastic chair. No, there were two plastic lawn chairs. And a, and a mattress. And a mattress, and there was dog hair everywhere. Yeah. But we hung out there all the time. And then when I first met him, he's like, oh, you should come see my band tonight. We're playing at the Hardback. And that's the first time I saw Hot Water. And uh, that shit just turned me on, man. That They just were super unique to music at the time. 
I think they still are. But that, that sucked me in, and then... That was a, a, around the time, like maybe a year later, yeah. They start, he started doing Blacktop Cadence. Right. And he said, hey, will you be our roadie? And I was like... At the time, I had just found out falsely, it turns out, the financial aid person said, you're not, you don't qualify for any more financial aid. Oh, shit. And I told my parents, you guys make too much money, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. We're not helping you. So I was like, fuck it, I'll go. And uh, that was my first tour. It, okay. Was with Blacktop. All right. Okay, let's stop there. Um, where do you come, ori- come from originally? Originally? Originally. Where were you born? I was born in Alaska. Okay, uh, did you spend a long period of time there, or did I you I was move? there until I was six or seven. Okay, oh, so you, you probably have some oh, yeah. memories of Alaska. What parts of Alaska? Talkeetna. Okay. It's a, at the base of McKinley, on the other side of Denali National Park. Okay. Um, were Was your family outdoors? Did they sport? I mean, were they hunters? Was My it dad a, was a uh, pastor. Oh, Okay. And then, uh, uh, just a Pentecostal type, uh, uh, like Lutheran, non-denominational, like, non-denominational. Okay. Gotcha. Laying on hands, speaking yeah, yeah. in tongues, all that stuff. I had an uncle from the Appalachians. God that was will one heal of you. You don't need dudes. no fucking doctors. Yeah. 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 Aspirin. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I didn't go. So, so, so a preacher. So I, I take it. That's why you were up there. Well, we were up there because after Vietnam, my parents found out you could stake out land and the government would give it to you. That's right. So they went there and built a log cabin and lived in it off the grid for years. And then oh, they joined a hippie commune and they all found the Lord. So they said they smoked joints reading the Bible. There was actually, there's a, there is, was a big, there was a big thing in the seventies about that. There was quite a few religious yeah. groups that were very religious that smoked yeah. marijuana, especially in Cal- California and Colorado, yeah. of course. Yeah. Yeah. All the good growing states. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Florida so, yeah. is a good then, growing state. We can we can mix that with religion here for sure. Yeah, <laughs> we need to. But no, okay. So up to six years old, and what was your experience of Alaska at, up to that point? Oh, I don't remember much. I mean, I learned how to ride a bike there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The town seemed obviously a lot bigger than I've gone back since, and it's a tiny little place. Uh, for like. Thousand population fifteen? Is it like up to the ten thousand population? Like, is it? Wait. No, it's probably around a thousand. No shit. Yeah, so the very small place. And that's so. that's during tourist season. Oh In wow! The winter, a lot of the business owners go to Mexico and shit. The, okay. The, and the season's only four or five months. Yeah, yeah. It's dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah. And so, where did you move from there? Outside Detroit, this town, Hillsdale, Michigan. Okay. Hillsdale College is there, which is kind of a known conservative hotbed. Like, I think I would, George you, Bush used to speak Was there. your father conservative? Oh, yeah. They're, like, libertarian, full, full conservative. Um, we lived there for a while, and then we moved to Bolivia, Cochabamba, Bolivia. Oh, wow. For about... Mission work? Sort of. It was to start an English-speaking school. Um <laughs> So gentrification. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Bum, 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 bum. and I fully learned I was fluent in Spanish by the end of that. Holy shit. That was the only way I could talk to girls. Can you, man. are you still, do you, are you still? When I, 
we, we'll go to vacation on vacation to Mexico, and by the end of it, I'm sorry. Dude, I'm so fucking jealous. You know how many languages I failed? <laughs> it doesn't work in the class. I'm saying, I'm I don't read, and I'm a dumb hick from Florida, man. None of it sticks. I can't. It's weird how you Half learn. my family's French. My grandmother yeah. spoke French her whole life. I still couldn't. I failed. You by fuck. osmosis. Though. Yeah. If I mean, just, I would imagine. And then when you're 16, you want to meet girls, and they all want to meet you when you have blue eyes and blonde hair. Yeah. And they're like, talk to me. Yeah, you're trying to talk on the phone to him to set up a date. You learn quick. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So we were there. What do I need to say? And um, it's pretty funny. <laughs> we ended up in Tampa. We had some relatives there, so I graduated high school in Tampa. Okay, and that was what year? Ninety-three. So shit. Uh, you graduated probably the year that me, George, and Chuck. Actually, that you know where I I met. Chuck and George actually before Casamigos, that's funny, around that time it was the Helmet Faith No More show at the University of Tampa. I saw Helmet at the Ritz. That was the first time I saw, met, I met George and Chuck, and then Which around that, amazing. yeah, and around that time, what else was going on? That uh, Oh, we saw, I think 93-ish, we saw Stone Temple Pilots, Stone Temple Pilots, Fire Hose, and a hip-hop group in uh, Tampa Fairgrounds. I can't believe it was yeah. STP, Firehose, and I forget yeah, the hip-hop group. I think I remember And Mike those. Watt was fucking, of course, amazing as shit. You know? Yeah. And if there was these, like, two massive Nazis walking around with, like, swastikas on their shirt, my friend Puppy. Oh, man. My friend Puppy, Jewish kid, he was crawling around on his hands and knees and getting up behind him and punching him in the nuts those and then running. Power dudes. Remember, you know. They would be at every you show. You know. Those dirty they'd be handing show. out pamphlets and shit. Yep. They Crazy would, shit. They would beat my ass in the pit, dude. It wouldn't matter if it was a deicide show right? or a quicksand show. They were always there. And then remember when in the early years for us yeah. in Gainesville, they started hit in Gainesville. Yeah, there's a couple of They were not welcome packs. here. Yeah, yeah. And they ended up out in Cal- Colorado, I think. Yep, yep, they did. That was, I, that's weird, because people times. don't, like, I, I, I talk about this sometimes, and, like, you're you're old enough to remember, growing up in Florida was a violent thing. Oh, man. You, if you were a punk rock kid, and you weren't oh, a racist, yeah, and you weren't racist, you would either come across a fucking redneck, yeah. or an, a fucking bonehead, that, of course, used to play football in high school, but all of a sudden wanted to shave his head and just beat the shit out of people and hang out with a bunch of assholes that did the same thing, or you'd run into some fucking jocks. Well, the death metal scene in itself is a white power-leaning group of cats that live in trailers. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Like obituary deicide. All those motherfuckers, yeah. They kind of don't come by it the same way as the white power people, but... They're more redneck. Yeah. Florida redneck. Yeah, yeah. Florida man. Yeah, they're, they're hickey as shit, for sure. Except they burn an upside down cross. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the bitch is still alive. Yeah. I thought he said he was going to die at 23. He was saying that. Liar! Yeah. It's overdue, bro. Yeah. You're overdue. Yeah. yeah. Put, put in that time clock, bro. Give it up. Come on, instead of us Our, losing, losing good band, artists. The first band I was in. That's hilarious. I started, <laughs> I, I came home from a semester, a year of, at Santa Fe, and I sang for a punk band, and where we practiced was next door to obituary. Right. So, like, when they would start playing, it was so loud that we just couldn't practice. Right. So we'd just go over and watch them, and then they'd watch us after. <laughs> but I remember the drummer had 
bought one of those little Hondas, but it was like lowered, right? Right. And it, it was off the dirt road, so the thing would bottom out coming in, but it had a giant obituary logo on the <laughs> back window. And it just, I remember it looked so, it, like a drifting <laughs> car, so, you know. And then he gets out. Like, oh, yeah, <laughs> Florida drifting. Yeah, That's awesome. Guess, yeah. So Tampa '93, you were seeing a lot of music then. Yeah. I mean, you were you were seeing a lot of shit. Yeah. What uh, what what do you think the difference is then? Was moving to Gain? What would, why move to Gainesville then? If you were already in a in a scene in a in a, well, in a scene that had so much music and stuff. Tampa going didn't on. have a, the local scene in Tampa had died off sort of by that time. Probably because you think, you think it was too clicky too. I don't know. That wasn't my. Like experience. you had the old school clicks, like people that used to hang out, yeah, like work I, at nine one one. My crew was more skaters, and we just went to see national acts that came through. So oh, we didn't really right. know there was no real local oh, music scene, as far as I. Yeah, there was. There was. There was like Reversal Man and stuff like that would be right. a blue chair, and that was it. You know. So that what, started after I graduated. Those are all guys I knew. Matt Copeland, I, I knew. Yeah. And I think that's where Blue Chair, that's where we saw the uh, Snapcase. Yeah, yeah. Snapcase 108 show where he broke the guitar stock. The guitarist broke the guitar stock on the singer's head. Maybe. And he was bleeding and he was still singing like he kept the show going. Maybe. I think that was the show because I remember. That was before Ebor kind of like. Yeah. Became. Disney World. So you were in Tampa, so you knew of Daddy Cool Records then, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that oh, where you got most of your shit from usually? I, no. If you were, did you buy, did you, I were you in? I Vinyl Fever a lot, and then Blue Chair opened, and I went there a lot. It was so different down there. It was like a lot of like thrifty kind of hipster stores. Yeah. Not hipster like we call it. But, but what it was Like then. the real deal. Yeah. And then kind of like there was that one slice shop. And yeah. that was it, you know. So we'd skate down there because it was desolate. Yeah, yeah. Hey, it was perfect. Spot. Is it is it still desolate like that? Or is it no, up? No, it's, like it's totally a different town now. Totally. It's, yeah. it's weird because I played a show there a couple months ago with Decker in there, right? Yeah, and it, that was in Ebor, and it's crazy because it's so connected to the city now. It used to be downtown was a separate thing, and yeah, Ebor was, was the own thing. You'd see cockfights in backyards yeah. and shit. Yeah. Dude, there were times when cops were walking back and through around through there in the eighties. Yeah, there was no tourists and shit. Yeah. It was punk rocker kids, skins, and gang members. That's the only type yeah. of people that hung out and goth kids. Well, those are Scotty too. Yeah, it was all the. It was just all the fucking weirdos. Yeah, yeah. it was all the weirdos. Yeah, it didn't. You know what I mean? Like that's the funny thing. It was just the fucking weirdos. It's yeah. just the different, varied types of weirdos that were just hanging out in a weird yeah. fucking part of town because that was the only place they were allowed to hang out in. Yeah, I mean, really. and I was into music always, but I was more a skater than anything. Right. And I remember I taught myself how to play guitar. So I always liked it, but I never thought I was any good because I never played with other people. Just I right, knew I right. could sing. I sang for that punk band. And then I remember I had... I had this four track, an analog four track. And one time I mentioned it to Chris and he got me to play him some songs. And I didn't believe, he's like, this is good, man. And I totally didn't believe him. Right. I played, the first show I ever played was like at Rob McGregor's old place, which yeah, is yeah. right across the street from where we are, UPSC. Yeah. But 
It was before this. Like, bam, it was like right ugly there. Ugly ass courthouse was built. It's like right in the middle of where you the courthouse was. out of that house yeah. because of that. Um, Definitely right in the middle of where that but shit But I played is. a show there and Chuck Reagan came up and was like, that was awesome. And I, was that was that your first, like, by yourself? Yeah. Did you acoustic or did acoustic. you by yourself guitar? Acoustic. Do you, have you ever done your stuff electric solo? Like, oh, I'm doing it now. I, I'm in the process. I just recorded an EP, and that's going to be full band. I mean, but have you ever played that other stuff that you usually play acoustic? Have you ever just sat there and played quiet guitar with it? You know, like electric guitar along with it? Has it always been acoustic? It's, I usually play acoustic. I've played guitar. I played guitar in Crows. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Okay, so how many bands have you been in in Gainesville? Oh, God. Uh, well, let's see. Sissy. <laughs> that was with uh, Dave Rome and them. Right. It's a joke. And then... Any band, any band's a joke. <laughs> not, very, not very many here. Right. I was in that and As Friends Rust and then Crows. Okay. I think that's it. And then your stuff that you did with Greg. Yeah. Then... Yeah. And then I did Grey Goose. Yeah, I did Grey Goose. And uh, the stuff I'm doing now, I was going to call Grey Goose, but it turns out it's just so much different. It's not punk at all, so I'm just going. But do you, um, do you re- do you really have a definition? I mean, do you? I mean, is there one? Well, it's let's put it this way: it's not. It's more especially when you come from the yeah. artistic side of it. Is I, what I'm I saying. would just call it not as like a punk right. kid, but as from the artistic side, punk. Yeah, is all over in the way like. Bob Mould's Sugar Records. I right. think it could be called that. Okay. I come from punk, so maybe you're you're, you're it's more Americana than anything. Else. Okay, so okay, I got you. I got you. Do you. Is that something that that really talks to you a lot right now, Americana? Oh, uh, well, I, I listen to everything right now, but it's that's just what comes out. I'm not really trying to do anything. No, yeah, yeah. And actually, but when you write, that's just something that yeah. just naturally just comes off of you. And I, there was this guy. It's funny how this EP came together. I had gone to the studio and recorded with Bobby Brown, Chris's drummer. Oh, you lucky. Keeps. I wish I could play with him. And <laughs> we knocked out like four songs, well. just me on guitar and him on drums. And I sang. And uh, I didn't know what I was going to do with it. I knew I wanted a full band on it, like right. an electric guitar and bass. Nobody in town was really working out. And, and you know, you can, I'm, I am a shitty bass player, but yeah. if you just tell me what to play, I'll play yeah. it. I'll be in the pocket. Yeah. I used to take dance lessons. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm trying to, At the time, dude, I, I so want to play bass so bad. It's been so long. I, you know, it's not desperation. Yeah. It's just like, I get to play. I, with I don't know. I mean, is it because you heard so many bad things about working with me as a musician? Okay. See, and that's the funny thing. I'm a bassist. I should be able to... I can't play to my own songs. I don't know why. Really? It it fucks me up because I just want to play the guitar. You you, you probably... You pull yourself away from that that, that artistry then. You just... You put your mind around just the guitar. That's... Uh, And so, anyway, there's this guy I know, Joe McMahon from Smoker Fire. Yeah. He lives in Europe now. In Munster, so he worked with this producer in Belgium named Tim Van Dorn. Yeah. So I think I had posted a demo or two, and Tim Van Dorn, this producer, I knew he was awesome because Chris and I did backups for Joe's record, so I heard it before anyone okay. else did. So this guy friends me, this producer, and he was like liking my songs on 
that I had posted on like Bandcamp or something. Yeah, yeah. So on a, but whim, on on a whim, I was like, hey man, you want to play bass on some songs? Yeah. I knew he could play. He's yeah. a great producer. And he's like, yeah, send him over to Belgium. That's awesome. So I send him. No, that's cool. And he kind of ima- reimagined the song in a way I never would have thought of. He played sick bass and he's like, do you care if I play guitar? Go ahead, man. Like add a rhythm yeah. guitar to it or yeah, whatever? He did or? slide on one of my, Like, he's just sick. And uh, he produced them and he's like, don't tell. Of course, everyone's going to hear now. Don't tell anyone I did this for free. <laughs> no one. He <laughs> didn't do it and, for uh, free. He's just saying that. He probably, he probably, I think he charged him about yeah, three or four thousand dollars from three grand. Actually, yeah, it's, you know, but that's it, a lot. anyway, so I did that because I played a show at the fest or the showcase with yeah, this yeah. guy, Tim Holhouse, who's from England, kind of a punk blues type solo cat. Yeah, and uh, he he like liked me a lot, and we started talking. He's like, "Why don't you come over and do a tour with me?" I said, maybe. That's an interesting thought. And uh, then we decided maybe we should do a split so we have something to tour on. Oh, so that's cool. what these songs are for. How many? Do, like two or three songs? It's like song? four piece. It's oh, going to be a 12 cool. inch. That's cool. That's fucking eight songs. That's a good fucking. Yeah. That's a record, technically. Yeah, Damien's doing the layout. Oh, no shit. Right. Yeah. So. Congratulations. I'm going over there to do that in November. Jealous. And then. <laughs> On that tour, my label, Sounds of Subterranea. Say that again to everybody. Subterranea.com. Check them out. The label head, Gregor, <laughs> is also involved with this. This is here to promote you, brother. <laughs> <laughs> so you better promote I'm yourself. I'm not trying this out No, you I, need this to. This is cool. There's I just, want you to share your art. That's There's fine. this place <laughs> called um, Super Sense Studio okay. where they record direct to vinyl, and that's your master. So oh wow! He wants me to stop off direct to vinyl in Vienna and record. So that means you guys will be playing live all at once. No, I'm doing this solo acoustic. This oh shit! Acoustic. Okay, okay, okay. Sorry, and excuse I, me. I'm going to record. I, I think he wants. It's going to be a tape for a cassette, so it's going to be three songs on each side, cool. and it's going to be limited to a hundred. But I'm going to go in there and we'll see what happens. Yeah. So that'll be acoustic, and then I'm going to at the end of that tour go record with Tim in Belgium at the end for like a week and a half, hopefully knock out this full length. And that, wow, we're hoping to get that out in June. Okay. And uh, after that, I will tour with the full band. Oh, shit. So, I mean, it sounds like, I mean, I, it, it sounds like you, have you, have you ever had a lull in your music? It doesn't, as long as I've known you, it doesn't seem like you've really, there's been a lull in your Oh, scene. there was. After I got married, I was, we were doing Grey Goose, and uh, we had planned a U.S. tour. That record was also on Sounds of yeah. Australia. Bill got in some trouble and was in jail. <laughs> so we didn't have a drummer, and that was the day we got the vinyl in the mail. Oh, the wow. Tour. He was locked up. So I was like, fuck it. This band's over. And right. my wife got a job offer in Tallahassee, and I was like, cool. I don't have any reason to stay here. Right. So we lived there for like two years and I didn't do, didn't do anything. I played a little by myself, but, and then I came back here and finished, I did grad school. So I didn't have a lot of time to play then. And it, the scene was really changing too. When I got back here, it was to be what year? 20, 2000. 
I don't know, seven. Okay, so right before know. the bubble, the bubble bust. Oh yeah, and then uh, after grad school, I had you know a full time job at that was Bush's fault, a research center. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like to throw you the, know, the reason actually that I got interested in playing gun was first of all Joe McMahon came through and he was playing at Lucy's okay and he said you got to play with me and I was like dude I don't play anymore he's like no no that's (laughs) this tour I want all to be about playing with my friends oh shit so that was the first show in years that I did acoustic can I ask you something are you are you super critical of yourself yeah do you think that comes do you think that's um, Do you think that's common for all all artists? Yeah, yeah. I mean, anybody that tells you they they aren't their biggest critic is a fake. Yeah, yeah. It, like it comes with the ter- it's like it's like with painting or anything with validation you gain a little self confidence. Yeah, but you always have that in the back of your mind. Like I could have done that better. Right. You always have nerves before you play anyone yeah. that tells you they don't is they're full lying, of shit or they're not very self-aware yeah I, uh, so you think well see that's another thing too i think um artists are aren't artists way more well well aware anyways right i mean on on a, on a i think a more uh i think artists could be defined as a lot of different things but i think they're but they're, that, there is a personality that comes with it i think there's self-aware people in politics, I'd say Bernie Sanders type person is right. very self aware. Totally, but that's a different kind of art, you know. Yeah, humanitarian. Humanitarian. Just, just the political game is art. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I think it comes down to you wanting to do a good job. Yeah, whatever you're doing, you, you want to do a good job. And do you do you uh, are you critical to the point where you actually try to compare yourself to stuff that you like, or are you just like critical on yourself? That way, you don't get um, in that weird fucked up headspace. It's just comparing it to how well I know I can play the song. Okay. And it's also like from not having formal guitar lessons ever. Which I find is kind of important. Is this the way you do this? But now that you've played that way for as long as I'm a little more comfortable. I've played more shows. That first show, though, was with Joe McMahon and the Ship Thieves. Oh, shit. So I'm sitting there playing in front of people I really look up to, and I'm like, I haven't done this in years. I was nervous. Man. So you're still so like I mean. Well, it's gotten easier because I've been playing a lot yeah. since then, and that's got. I noticed that. Yeah, I've been seeing but more I, stuff of you out there. I'm so. nervous about this Europe thing. I've never gone to Europe by myself and went and played shows by myself. I've gone as the bassist in a bar. Yeah. But well, you know what? That's you know what's. Uh, I would have to say, from from uh, someone who's on the outside looking in on that yeah. on that on that situation. Uh, I say, I, you know, ride that shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, the like way that, all that came You've out. been doing, how long have you been playing music? Seriously, how long have you been playing music? Late 80s, maybe? So you're close to 30 years? Uh, that you've exactly. been... Some of that's taking yeah, my but it's still, to figure out what... You're, you're, you've had the artistry in your head... And the want and the need as an artist yeah. to play for that long. Well, it's taking that you too. that long yeah. to get to a place that is going to be 
to, I mean, I would have to say probably going to be an amazing experience for you. Yeah, it's, it's, and it's going to be, it's good. The best part of it is and what, what makes it the best is that it's going to be scary. You know what I mean? Because that's when you do your fucking best, I think. Yeah. Whenever I've been scared of shit, I played my best fucking shows. Seriously. That, those, for me personally, the scaredest yeah. I was, man, I was on well, the shit. It will be easier because I won't know anyone. I hate knowing yes. people in the crowd. Like, that's hard. But you're, but you, you, you know how to talk to people. So it's all right. You got that. You're playing acoustic. You got that interaction. You know, and yeah. I think, and I think people knowing, one, that you're an artist from Gainesville. Who's coming all the way the fuck over there to share that with them? They're going to be appreciative. They're always appreciative because you're going out of your fucking way yeah. to share your the shit that you did with them, and that's what artists do. And I think that's one thing you're giving up. You know, you're you're, you're giving up time to do all things that are important in your everyday normal life to be an artist. Yeah. And that's important as an artist. You know, I think. Well, I got experience up right here. We were talking about this before you turned the tape on. I got laid off after like eight or nine years at this research center. I was doing affordable housing research at UF. And it was right around that time that I, it was right before that that I started playing again, writing stuff again. And uh, I was, I had a few months where I was kind of like getting paid, but not working. Yeah. At the end of it, like, I demanded that because I've worked there so, so long. long. Yeah, and uh, Joe, who says a severance? That's when I decided it. A fucking a, severance? Yeah, fuck yeah, that, dude. That's when I decided. Nine years is a lot to fucking put in time, bro. Yeah, that's when I decided. Well, if I'm writing music, I'm gonna fucking do it while I have time to do it, and I'm not doing anything else. I might as well do something productive, and that's really what put this on the table for me. Where I was right. like, okay. And people would say, go to Europe, this and that. Okay, why not? And that's that's what provided the opportunity and the, the kind of window for me to jump back into music. Okay. And now I'm working again, but I'm still... I work for a super rad organization that I told them going in, I'm doing this and this. And they were Should like, I got working. They were like, yeah. please don't cancel that. I think that's awesome. Okay, Please that's good. do that. Yeah, and, yeah. And so I'm kind of full steam ahead right now. Awesome. So between between moving to Gainesville and now, you were in a couple bands. Uh, name the first one that you were in. The one where you actually started doing stuff and you guys recorded, put out an album. Oh, Sissy. Okay. And how, how long did that 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 ensemble last? Maybe a year, year and a half. <laughs> we used to play. Was it a bad relationship or just no, a bad musical? The band was a joke. I, like. We would dress up like I wore like fake leather pants and a silk shirt, and uh, so did Dave Rome, and, and it was it was a joke. Like, <laughs> but but it was a band. But see, and I got a bass and okay, a can, I got can the I, bass. Can I get? Can I? Okay. And this, actually, the funny story about that. This is funny. One of our shows. Damien, who was in Culture at the time, he's okay. been in like every South Florida band. Culture had relocated to Gainesville, so yep. they were here. He was at that sissy show, I assume because Dave Rome was in Radon or so. I don't know right, why, right. Or why the fuck he was there. But people used to go to UC anyway, so it wasn't. Yeah. And uh, it was a fun place. Still is probably. Yeah, fuck and, you. Uh, I'm trying to DJ there. Shit. 
Um, so Damien talked to me afterward, and uh, we got to know each other. And I guess he says it's stuck in his mind that I played bass, and I, he liked me. Yeah. And so I got home from that blacktop cadence. No, one of the tours I got home from, because I was going out with Hot Water a lot then. Yeah. Like that tour, that that one with Avail was, I think, their first yeah, yep, big yep, tour. Yep, yep. And Bobo taught me how to tour manage. Nice. Like, shake down the door guy, make sure you get yeah, your guarantee, yeah, all that yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bo was rad. And uh, all those guys. But after that, I lived with Henry and Gear. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and uh, Hot Water was rad to work for. They pay, they'd make sure my rent was paid, all that stuff. And uh, they said, there's a message on when we had an answer machine, the tape, all that. And it was Damien going, we're, we're starting this band called As Friends Rust, and we wonder if you want to play bass. So the first thing I thought was, I'm not straight edge. Why are they asking me to be in? Yeah, it's strange, man. And it was, so they're like, meet, they called, and they meet us at Leo's. So I met him and Timmy. And they over and over kept going, it's not going to be a straight edge band. And I was like, all right, fine. And I remember the first practice I brought it, 12 pack of a Milwaukee and slammed it on my head. It's not going to be. Just to put this out there, because the first tour we did, everyone was straight edge but me. Oh, and then person by person, they kept yeah, yeah, yeah. until finally Joe's, you know. But, uh, <laughs> Joe, Joe was the holdout. Joe and now he's holdout. a crafter. <laughs> now he There's, makes it. Yeah, yeah, he makes the shit now. <laughs> But, yeah, that's funny. Straight edge that. yeah. to, to owner of an actual beer company. Yeah. How does that work? It's funny how life, that's not so funny. It's so funny how your uh, your life changes. The, 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 dichotomy, the yeah. dichotomies are funny. So you played in that band. So yeah. you started with, so you started playing in his friend's rust. That, how long was that run altogether? I know you guys are still doing shows every yeah. once in a while. Well, I quit right? after or... a couple years. It was, I mean, we were. You guys were riding the shit out of yourself. Oh, my God. Until the wheels fell off, right? Yeah. When we signed to Doghouse, and then we were like, we got to write. And you at the work, time. You like dogs? At the time. <laughs> Sorry, we, that's a joke. We, start, we were doing too much, and so we weren't getting along. And we kind of we kind of split up, but then they got other members and did a couple of things. And then that, that version only lasted a couple of years, and it just kind of fizzled out. Right. And then, uh, when was that? We did a reunion show because they asked us to play this tour in Europe. Well, by this time, we all lived all over. Like, Joe and I were the only ones in Gainesville. Right. Timmy was out in L.A. James was in New York. Still is. Yep. Damien was in Ann Arbor. So they they all flew to Gainesville. We rehearsed for a couple of days, did a show at the Atlantic, and then we went on this tour together. And we had so much fucking fun together. And I think we sounded be better than we had. Right, right, right. We were wasted and we actually knew how to play better. Yeah. Um, so we've been doing that. Every couple of years, I get to play bass. And you guys, um, I've seen the YouTube videos. Uh, I'm one of those creeps that yeah. goes and watches my friends and see what they do when they're over in Europe and all the. And I watch the interviews, which is my favorite thing to do, especially like when Germans try to interview yeah. everybody or the Japanese. This is my favorite. Um, but I mean, you guys, 
or another band that did quite a bit and uh, got a lot of shit done in Gainesville in the time that you were here, and yeah. especially in the short period of time that you guys were here. What we do you think was the? Out. But what, what do you think was such the catalyst for it to lighting up like it was almost like a powder well, keg? It was, it was as quickly as it the did. The thing that happened, the first thing that happened, was this label in Europe loved us. They're called Good Life, and yep. they and but at the time, I guess we were just we were one of the I don't know if we were one of the first. But we were kind of like a hybrid of punk and hardcore. Yeah, and I think that was just coming in where it was like a thing. Right, right. I mean, you could say Endpoint was kind of like well, we were going Endpoint. So, like, I think it was that, because our shows, the first tour we did, the shows were just fucking sold out. Like, it was amazing. Kids yeah. over there had already heard the record. They loved it. So that was why we kept going to Europe to pay yeah. our fucking bills. And, but it was so crazy, because the first couple of tours in the States, we were unknown here. Yeah. So it was, like, hard, man. You know, yeah, sleeping yeah. on floors and... And then we'd go to Europe and we're eating like kings in hotel rooms sometimes. Like, yeah. It was so crazy. It was more set up for you yeah, over there. But we just had to keep going or else, because we'd be home for three weeks and I'd get a job washing dishes somewhere. And then you'd and have then to leave. Bolt out. So I started running out of places that I could knock off for a yeah, job because I. So many bridges you could yeah, burn. Yeah. Yeah. I was unemployable at Leo's, you know, all those places after a while. But. Yeah, and that was when st we were started fighting. It got real hard because we were just on the road together too much. Yeah. And I decided to go back to college. So that's full circle. I decided to go back and finish community college. Well, my student loans had gotten to the point where I had to pay for two semesters by myself. So I was working at Cafe Gardens on the grill as many shifts as I could get. And going to school full time. So I was probably sleeping three or four hours a night. Yeah. Typing papers on this old ass HP. But I was, I don't know why I was so deterred. I, I was like, it's like a point of pride. Like I quit that band. So I'm getting this fucking degree. And right. I went to UF and got a history degree in 05. And then when we came back here, I got an urban planning grad degree. And finally I was like, no need for a PhD at this point. Yeah. <laughs> sick of that too nah that's a, the bill's big enough yeah right yeah I'm hoping at some point a hacker goes in there and wipes all the records of the uh, they'll work on it they'll work on it so what other bands did you do in town besides your acoustic and that band oh the sissy AFR like I said and then oh right after I was in school and then Chris is like, I want you to play in Crows with me. You can either be bassist or second guitarist, whatever you want. It's like, I want to play guitar. So. Yeah, lucky you are. None <laughs> of those guys have ever asked me to play music with them. I had to That learn, just shows they, you folks. They were going on tour. Caleb's a better musician than Jay is so much better. And way better to deal with, it seems. <laughs> when they asked me. That's all right. I didn't know any of the songs. I'm an asshole. And we were going on the road they were going on the road in a week I think yeah so Chris is over at my house every night with acoustic on acoustic if you've ever heard Crows it's fast as fuck so on acoustic guitars I learned that stuff yeah I didn't play an electric guitar 
on those songs until I think one practice before tour. Oh shit! And I borrowed Chris's guitar, and we toured with uh, what was that band? Uh, Unitas. Yeah. And I borrowed Rock Hill's guitar setup, and I remember that because Jason would put tape on where his settings were and where mine were, so we were sharing that. Yeah. That was fun. Um. How long did you have? How many? How many? How long did that go on? It didn't go on that long. We always felt like Gainesville didn't really like us. And it was like years later, people were like, bring back crows, bring back crows. And we're like, fuck you. You didn't go to shows then. Uh, we had a couple big shows, but it wasn't like, it, it would be. I think Ship Thieves sound a lot like crows did then now. They've kind of evolved into I that. I can say that. Yeah, yeah. Totally. I can it was say Chris. That sure, bro. yeah. And, and you, if you ever play, have the privilege of playing with Chris, on punk songs, it's hard to keep up with that motherfucker. Like, recording that record was a bitch for me. Yeah. I mean, I remember, oh my God. Yeah, his rhythms are just crazy and wonky, awesome wonky, but just like. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, that one was Dirty Bunny. I'm proud of that one. Okay. Real proud of that one. What do you, um, what do you say is the, probably one of the, the number one things that made you want to move to Gainesville? I didn't even know. I had been to Gainesville once for a Midnight Oil show at uh, Flavitt Field. So that's all I knew about Gainesville. I really just came here for school, honestly. Like, I didn't know there was a punk scene here. I didn't know much about Gainesville at all. Yeah. So I kind of fell into it. Yeah. I wasn't looking. I had never been part of the punk scene. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I didn't know that was here until I started going to the hardback. And, and like where they put on those all day punk shows yeah. people were just wasted drunk by the end of it oh, fucking like shit. day drinking oh, on Sundays holy shit uh, Woo! It was I remember like, those hangovers it was way more family kind of friends than yeah. the friends I had in the skating community skating community is real competitive because you do you, you go to contests and you're yeah, you want to win doing shit, skate demos you want to fucking sponsor you want to fucking do something yeah. so I think that's that's why I stayed in Gainesville Put it that way. Yeah. What brought me here is is not what I ended up finding. I found so much more, I think. And I mean, I still to this day, I have like lifelong friends like you. You know, yeah. I, I thank you. I see people around that made me who I am. You know, I th I really think a lot of us it was iron and iron and and like I was saying before, I think that's the main thing about. A scene like Gainesville has always had. A lot of us are dads and old now. I'm not. A lot of my friends are. But Crazy it's like... <laughs> I like money. It's like <laughs> so many personalities and so many different types of people. But all together, you kind of want to have a cool yeah. scene. You don't want fights at shows. You don't want to see anyone you know, whether they're your good friend or just... Yeah, yeah, totally. You just don't want people You don't want them get beat up. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it just teaches you, and touring, touring just teaches you a lot about life. What do you think the biggest, biggest lesson you learned from touring, you think, especially living in Gainesville? Everything. Like, Teamwork, management, like putting up with shit. Uh, putting up staying, with egos. St staying positive. Yeah. The next show will be better. Well, you know, like dealing with 
you know, flat tires, trailer, in the blah, snow. all that. Yeah, yeah we, I remember on a hot water tour, we slid off the road, jackknifed our trailer. We're lucky. It was on this tour with Jujun. We're lucky. I remember that. No, that was got, a black you, you went on some really good tours. Yeah. You really yeah, did. went on some really... A fun one was Hot Water, Sick of It All, AFI, and Indecision. That was uh, long, too. I remember that tour because I came up to Jacksonville. And that, you guys when, that one Chris went Chris was hanging Canada. out on the AFI bus all the time. Playing. That one went into Canada. <laughs> and I remember at night we crossed the border. We're getting to our first show. It's dark and the road's not plowed. And we in those days, we didn't have any GPS. So I'm looking at the map. Chris is driving. Everyone's sleeping. We're sliding all over. I think it was into Montreal or Quebec or something. Yeah, yeah that was crazy. And... Sick of it all was supposed to be over there with us. Yeah, it was supposed to be hot water and sick of it all for the Canadian shows. They had their promoter had set them up. They got stopped at the border. They were in a big fancy bus, and they confiscated all their money because they said there was drug residue on it. Which there's drug residue on all fucking money. Yeah. That's the way of taking your money. They confiscated their money. I'd have been like, bitch, the CIA put it there. They wouldn't let them in the. <laughs> they wouldn't let them in the country. So we do all these yeah, shows. Fun. They had never played in Canada. And that's, that's it's like last minute. Sick of it all won't be here. So bum, bum, that bum, was bum. interesting. Jesus, that sounds... <laughs> See, no, that's that's what I... That's the shit. That's the stuff that you do and learn about. Yeah. Uh, um, excuse me, folks. I'm a, do you need another drink? Uh, yeah, I have another. I'm going to do another... another yeah. One of those. Another two of these. And it's more ice, too. And uh, let me do a New York style slice with uh, bacon and uh, pepperoni, please. Thank you, boss. Yeah, please, if I may, that'd be awesome. Thank you so much. What's your name? Richard. Richard. That's Richard from Big Loose. You're on a powwow with Pops. Hi, everybody. Thank you, Richard. I appreciate you, boss. Thank you, sir. That was Rich. Come check him out at Big Blues. You know, give a little bit of love and support. I just actually just applied for delivery driver here. Oh yeah, I'm ready to get back into like pulling back from what I was doing the professional thing I was doing for yeah. that long. I don't know, man. I need a little decompression. Yeah, that was just not a steal your soul. If you yeah, know. it wasn't a positive. Like the there was such a great positive to it that when that part happened, it really shit on the positive. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. it's for the kids, man. You dumb motherfuckers. It's yeah. for the kids. It's not about you. Yeah. But, you know, people don't get that shit. Yeah. But, okay, so you're fucking pros, all that other shit. As friends, Rust, you guys are still touring. We get along a lot better now, too. Yeah? Uh, you guys, everything. Well, we're like, you guys are growing up as, as shit, too, as right? Now, those are the guys <laughs> that, like when Timmy's wife got pregnant, the first time and the second time, Thank you. We we have a group text. He's the first guy. That's cool. So you guys are constantly. And then yeah, that's great. so that's it's precious, you know. It's like you know I, and once in a while we get. How lucky is that? We get to go to Japan together or like Europe together and get paid for it once in a while, and then we go back to our regular life. And, you, is there? Here's a question that I probably haven't asked too many people. Do you think it's weird that people that we used to be tight with crew-wise for such a long period of time end up just buckling up with one person, dipping out of town so far away, and then just kind of being like, Gainesville is Gainesville. Well, 
I mean, especially if somebody's been here a long time. Yeah. I take. I don't take it personally. Gainesville's not for everybody. Some people don't allow themselves to grow up. You know what I mean? Because Gainesville does. They have to go somewhere else to grow up. They can't grow up here for some reason. Yeah, like it was good for me to get out of town for a couple years, and it was just me and my wife. And I... I, Time of maturity. I've been married 12 years now, and and I believe that that is why. is because we had some time where I wasn't hanging out with a bunch of friends, going to band practice and all that. Right. And uh, so then when we came back, it wasn't like out every night type of thing. It was like, if something cool's going on, we'll go out. But it's not where you know how it was before. It was like, oh, it's down low tonight. And the next night, it's Yeah, every night, night was something. It, it was something. You, we were out six nights a yeah, week. Yeah, if we could afford it. Yeah. If we couldn't, somebody would buy us a beer. Yep. That's or we'd why, go to that's, a keg party. I'm saying. It was yeah. always, there was, you weren't, you didn't and go out without. My theory, <laughs> going back to what you were saying, is some people didn't allow themselves to ever get out of that. And I think they realize if I don't get out of here, I'm not going to yeah, get out of that. Yeah. So I, I think that's a big part of it. People who there's a lot of people here that we know started businesses and are thriving and doing all kinds of yeah. cool shit, you know, and uh, stuff that any of us could have done if we really put our minds to it. Well, I think the, right? the I mean, scene we were part of and our, I guess it really reshaped the answer because yeah. where we're sitting right now, it's this kind of, decor and all that kind of stuff the punks brought that shit here man like we brought the hand painting aspects and all that yeah. stuff I'm mean, there was a little of that from the hippies but there's definitely an indie bent to certain parts of this town now that wasn't there always right no I agree no no totally totally and that's the other thing I like about art and our town is like the indie or punk or whatever we all went to each other's shows hardcore shows punk shows indie rock no it was all it was the at. same thing because it, yeah, it was all the people the barn, Yeah, if it was behind yeah. Brad's house in the barn, if it was at in the duck pond, and some of and, and I think that 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 speaks to how I inclusive, like my how inclusive everybody was. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I I'm so critical. I always I never <clears throat> I I'm such an asshole. I didn't start liking my bands till a couple years ago. Like that's how insecure I was my whole life about being an artist that I couldn't like my own shit. Like, and I, and, yeah. and believe me, playing with me with Brad and Tom, I must've been a fucking nightmare that because I, we would soon, play right? shows. Yeah. Someday soon in the get down, we did like two oh, yeah, versions. Yeah, the, get down. the get down was the three of like ours was our favorite thing that we did because it was the most different. And like, we played a lot of stuff that was usually like, we had no idea what we were playing. We were just playing off the cuff. Yeah. So it was kind of like we just, it was a jam band. It was like a fucking, it was us jerking off, technically. You know, like, look what we have learned over the years. And of yeah. course, Tom was jerking off amazingly with all the fucking pedals. Yeah. I mean, when he got them pedals right and he wasn't out of his mind, yeah. they were amazing. You know? I have a funny <laughs> story about him. He lived over there, too. Yeah, 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 that's right. And uh, he would sometimes have shows in the basement. And I remember, for some reason, Chris and I and some other people were hanging out over there. So Chris and I go in the basement and start messing around. That was all set up down there. And Chris just wanks the guitar up to like 11, you know, and starts just playing like yeah, yeah. loud as fuck. And Tom's like freaking out, probably paranoid. <laughs> the cops are going to come. The cops are gonna, And the cops fucking came. And then we pieced out. We're like, oh. 
Yeah. He was right. <laughs> the little guy was right. Like, <laughs> yeah, that was a weird memory I have. Dude, of that. Yeah, I remember AFR was supposed to play there with. Oh yeah, that band from Philly, right? Yep, yep, that's right. Uh, Kill the messenger. Yes, yes. And I remember that. The shots came before we could play. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. What is? Let me ask you a question. This is one that I ask everybody, no matter what generation. I'm going to give you an example. First time at the hardback. I'm already drunk, hanging out with George and them. You know, I think they were playing that night. I hadn't started yet. It was like 7 o'clock. We had hours, you know. Everybody just, you got there early. Yeah. As soon as it opened, because it was drinks. Just a hang. Because you didn't have to pay for drinks most of the time, really. You know, like, especially the weird acid Miller that they had. The tri- the, the, it had mushrooms in it, folks. I assure you. Oh my god! Because that stuff made you trips were disgusting. Balls, but it's yellow plastic. Uh, the f- for, I remember the first thing that I think what made me say this was my home musically. What I heard, I heard uh, spokes antihistamine. Oh yeah! As soon as I started sitting there and playing pool, I don't. I'd never heard of them. Nothing. I never, yeah. never had. I had no idea of who they were. As a band. That's how ignorant I was to music in yeah. Gainesville. That shit came on, and I'm like, I'm home. Yeah. That, yeah. even though they were already done, for some reason, that song and that band, to me, yeah. antithesized my era of the hot water, of the Gainesville experience. Yeah. And what blended into becoming the hot water experience. It's funny, and all the like other when things. I got here, there was a lot of the traditional punk bands were kind of on the end. Yes. And then there was like Jacuzzi Suite and like... Yep, yep. But... uh, A lot of people try to do some weird stuff. So Hot Water was just finding their sound, I think. Yeah. Because it changed drastically from the first demo, Push the Coin, to like some of the next stuff. And uh, so they were just getting that going. And then uh, I remember when they had done Fuel for the A-Game Showed it to you. I was like, "This is sick, man." That, that was, and then I said, "There was one song." Oh yeah, Turnstile. I was like, "Were you listening to Doc Nasty when you wrote this?" Right. He, he lived in that trip. And I, he's like, "I think I was." <laughs> <laughs> like that one. Da-na-na, yeah. Da-na-na. Now, the influences are very. Yeah. You could tell totally who they listened to, like each individually. Yeah. Like, what was their main? Sound. Yeah, some cool like bands that didn't get big. Ankle Biter was rad. Yeah, remember them? Yes, I do. That band was good. Very good. They had this one. Was it called Triceratops? <laughs> I love that song. I think you're right. Oh my god! They're I wish I still not- had that. I, well, I might have the vinyl. Well, you know what? I you find that a lot of the people that end up being in those kind of bands that you know could have done something bigger. Most of them are college students. They end up stopping and going to do what their college. Well, that like. was no Steve O. Moved away. Oh, did he? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he, remember Our Place Cafe? Yeah. He used to play with his little amp. Because remember, they all had these shitty little amps. Mm-hmm. They would carry them. I don't think they had a car. They'd carry no, they'd them down to the show with, like, a gig bag. Like, <laughs> yeah, he would go in and play at Our Place with an electric guitar and a little amp. Just blow the place out, like yeah. While people are trying to eat their vegan pancakes, whatever. Yeah, 
Remember that place? Yeah. I, I worked there for a minute. Did you really? That's where I met Steve-O. And then when I was in AFR, he knew I needed money in between tours. So he and this other guy had this bar cleaning business. Yeah. Where they would go after hours and clean up. And it was good money. It was only a couple hours. But I remember I'd go to the hardback. Then I'd go to somebody's house and then get up at four in the morning to meet these guys and go clean and we'd watch the sunrise drinking like vodka drinks. Oh my god. And uh, uh, that was when it was what was uh, Lucy's? That was uh, Oh Lucy's was uh, the uh, Market Street. And then there was the one on the back end of that. Those were connected those mm-hmm. two bars. We'd clean those two bars and it was good money you know for for a couple hours work. Yeah, it yeah. sucked because you'd be like half drunk from that night and cleaning urinals and shit, but literally, and, but it was, back then, you took what you could get. So what's the shittiest job you had in Gainesville? You don't just think people names or anything, but like, what was a job where you just like, you had to work for a while because it was just that situation, yeah. you were just like, God damn! And, uh, I don't care what people say, washing dishes at Leo's sucked. I agree. I mean, I can get into the zen of dishwashing, but at Leo's, it was like irritating the place you were with the dish. Because anytime anyone went outside, you'd have to scoot up close to this hot machine. There's no AC. Yeah. And it was just the environment, too. One of the owners, I won't say their names, but he was going through a divorce <laughs> yeah. at the time. So his wife would call, and if you got the phone, God forbid, she'd be screaming at you, give me Steve. Sorry, and, and he'd be like, "I'm not here. I'm not here." Right, just shit like that was. No, cut. you it was are. That, it was that time. Yeah, at, I know people have fun at Leo's, but I didn't. At that yeah, there was different. That, there was yeah. different parts of Leo's. Yeah, dude, it was like not a good era. I got fired from Mark from that shit, dude. Yeah, I think that I, Jason Dooley got me the job there. It's when he was managing. I worked there for a while. I think when I first got the job, Mark was out of town or something. What happened to the coffee part of it? Remember? Yeah. It used to be like the coffees. Because you could sit there and watch traffic. Yeah, coffee. They had all the Remember when Cece, Cece worked there? Yeah. And Diablo, my dog, he just passed away last year. Oh, At 17. I'd walk him down there, and she'd have a bowl of water for him and cook me up with iced yeah. coffee. And that's where you'd, everybody would hook up. Like, yep. Chris would come along, you'd come along. Dan Arkey was always hanging out there. Yep. Always. Fuck, man. People it, doing the crossword puzzles and shit. Maybe they didn't make any money because she was giving away all the coffee. Yeah. They had good coffee then. I wonder if they'll bring that back now that Brian's... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of things they can do now that are really fucking... I mean, especially now they have a chance to wait a year and probably find a different spot where they... Like, maybe they can find something down here on this side of town. That'd be cool. You know, just like to fucking summer, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of spots down around here that they could they could get into. Yeah, yeah. A restaurant right down there that they got yeah. nothing in it. Yeah, that location is so crucial, though. I mean, but I don't think people who really dig that place are going to be down with all the 
development that's going on there anyway? Yeah, I don't think so either. Who wants to look at a 12-story building? It used to be Eckerd. Remember that weird, crazy... Yeah, the weird Crazy Greg. Crazy Greg swore that that was a UFO landing site. He swore it. And I could see why you might think that, because it was so odd. It was, so it was a weird-shaped like, building. And then there was that Chinese, cheap Chinese place underneath. Downstairs. Yeah, dude, yeah, it was, like, like, the weirdest... Sweet and sour chicken for two bucks. Yeah, you're like, it why is this awful only $2? Maybe five and a half. Oh, my God. Because it's going to be... Yeah, no shit. That's hilarious. So what do you think... What do you think you're... Um, up to this point, what do you think your biggest... Um, Lesson as an artist has been living in Gainesville. I mean, and what have you like? Have you used it to to? Well, to, for me, I, I don't know. I mean, I think everybody's probably different. Yeah, no, no, totally. Because like Chris, right now, is I love the shit he writes, but he's full on punk rock mode, and he's like, "Why are you playing acoustic?" And right now, I, the lesson I've learned is you got to live a little to have anything to write about. And I just think that's true. Otherwise, right. you run out of shit to write. What are you going to write about? I slept on a tour bus last night. I played the same songs I played 30 times before. Right. You know, I think you got to live a little to have something to produce. You know, well, to get, get you, get you there. Of course, now we got a lot to think about with this. Yeah, yeah, totally. And that helps. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also... Three minutes to midnight, motherfuckers. For me, I really, I really have to force myself to sit down with the guitar and find out what's in there. Do you think that's that's what keeps your sanity? Because, I, you know, I talk to my wife, and I make jokes as much as I can because of my, my natural anxieties. So I have to make fun of terrible things, just like comedians do, to make myself feel better. Because if I don't make fun of it and talk about it in the way that I do, I get... It depresses me. Like, it really, it's just like, oh, I, I feel like, right. where the fuck, where did we lose our humanity and where did we lose our vision? Well, that's what this record, I started writing it. I, I have suffered from severe depression and, and anxiety and everything else. So my wife had gotten me a road bike and we lived just off the bike trail that goes out yeah. to Payne's Prairie. So I started riding my bike after work like 12 miles round trip out to where the overlook and riding it back. And I started writing songs in my mind and, uh, and I had made my new year's resolution that year. Just like last year, I'm writing a full album this year right. and I'm going to ride my bike a lot. So this album, I didn't know at the time, but it ended up being, I'm going to call it tropical depression because I like that. it ended up, being really therapeutic and it ended up being about that whole experience trying to find daylight really like in the darkest feeling dealing with panics and bad dreams and horrible mornings and tough nights and uh i realized that bike riding was one of the things that helped me get out and see deer and see animals and there's a bigger Thing amongst things that are bigger than you, right? right, right and that's right. what started coming out. And it was kind of therapeutic. It just started bleeding out of me. Like, and also these, seeing the connection as well, these right? Theme, like, these themes of like, I I wasn't scared anymore. I felt like maybe other people feel like this. And it, it'd be good to get this out there. Cause, and it's scary. But I've had a lot of people at my shows, like, I love that. I can totally relate to this or that. 
And it's very that, important. That's therapeutic to me and I hope to them, but it, it helps me when I see that I'm not alone in that. And, and sometimes you can feel that way when you're a depressed person. Totally. That no matter, if, you're, no matter uh, who you're surrounded and, by, and, you and can that feel. Yeah. can sometimes end very badly as we've yep. seen recently. With and, a lot of people and you, you, <laughs> in you our lives. walled off if you think like that, that, yeah. that you're the only one that feels like that. Yeah. So, no, you're right. So that's where I'm at. And, and do you see yourself, um, do you see yourself moving on? Like, do you, do you want to continue writing? Do you want to, or is there anything else you want to get into besides just writing music artistically? I mean, have you ever thought about writing anything or, I mean, you write music. So, I mean, right. I'm guessing you, you, you have a way with words. So, I mean, I'm just curious. Uh, I don't know about that. I, I like. I'm never able. I always was jealous of like people like Tom Petty that can write a story song, like, right. like maybe fictitious, but it's a charming story or like Jack and Diane type thing. Right, right, right. I can, when I sit down and write, it's just what's knocking around in my head, which is nothing like that. It's all for better or worse situations, whether they're just in my head or yeah, what yeah. I feel. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know how good of a fixture. I love fiction. I like Hyacinth. I like. Right, but uh, I do paint. I like painting. Just does that help as well? Yeah, and well, a lot of what I'm doing now is a lot of mindless painting. Like my wife has a yoga room; it's kind of like her studio. Right and uh, I made some stencils of like lotus flowers and stuff like that. And it's just mindless, but it's nice to be creating something where it's not as intense as writing a song. And you can't. The only thing you can be hard on yourself is. Oh, I went outside the lines or something, you know, and that's that. Yeah. And I like painting because you can always paint over it and stuff. Right. And life's kind of like that. If you, if you want to get deep about it. No, okay, it's fine. You, know? you can get as deep as you want, bro. And, uh, yeah, and then I've been doing a lot of, with uh, painter's tape, different sizes. And I, I like that because it's, it's mindless and you do realize at the end of the day there's a design. And who knows if it was like a girl thing that yeah, yeah. led me to put those in rip, just rip was, them in yeah. half and it's random but then what i made a set and one of them is like really orderly and one of them's just messy yeah. and i told my wife like that's like you and i <laughs> you're right. like messy but i have a big heart and i'm like yeah yeah keep shit and on and on time right know? right no totally yeah. i mean it looks like you were able to find yourself a teammate that that uh, keeps you in mind which is very good which is very important when you get into a marriage. Well, it's you also mean? that she's super supportive of me playing music and, and writing music. And she always is very honest with me. Right. With feedback. And I'll, I'll play new songs for her back on the back porch. And, uh, yeah, that makes a huge difference. I bet. Yeah. Do you think that's... Um, I Like we were talking about earlier, I am that type of personality where... I was talking about, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a therapist freak. I go to the therapist quite a bit and um, kind of came to a kind of a little bit of an acknowledgement of how I, uh, I handle myself, my big personality. You know, I feel that I was telling her, I, I've always felt like a burden to people. Because my person, the way my personality was, you know, like it comes with the territory, it comes with the territory right? Yeah, we're good. 
So it was like, it was something that I realized, like, she's like, well, who doesn't like it? And I was like, I don't know who doesn't like it, but I was like, I can't answer. But I got the feeling. She's like, listen, you're an artist. You have this personality. You take that shit and just do the best you can with what you got. If motherfuckers don't like you, motherfuckers don't like you. That's on their asses, right? Because you can't, you can't make a motherfucker like you for anything. I, my whole life, have been trying to get everyone to like me. That's the type of person I am. I'm in so yeah. fear that I'm going to be alone when I die. I want everyone to like me. Yeah. Not that I want a ton of people at my fucking funeral. That's not what I mean. <laughs> I mean, I want to feel like I actually have this huge family that, you know, like How I feel protected. feel purpose. Yeah, pur- yeah totally. You know, and, and then not in a way where I want to. Not in a Justin Bieber way. No, 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 definitely not. In a connecting way, in a way where I want to share the truest human experience that I can. And this is, unfortunately, I couldn't do it with music, but luckily I came about this, and this is taking care of that need to connect with artists the way that I... I I think this is better therapy than some other forms of therapists. Yeah. In a lot of ways, just because it's good to connect with people and, and... Relate, I guess. Yeah, you know, because it's easier and easier. We both got cell phones, and it's very easy to be impersonal. You could (laughs) sit in your house all day and feel like you socialized, but you didn't. Didn't do shit. No, you exactly, exactly. And you're only seeing the part of people that they want you to see. Yeah, that's what's different. Yeah, nowadays. That's a good point. And and a lot of people don't make that point. I think that's missing. Yeah, it's like it's like. Seeing like in the eighties and nineties a rock band's video as opposed to the real deal live show. You right. Know what I'm saying? Like you're only getting a perspective of Right, it. right. Like there's no way Yeah, I mean You're getting the perspective they want like you to see and like you don't you never saw Beastie Boys if you just saw the check your head videos. Like you yeah. have to go see the motherfuckers. Yeah, you gotta see the motherfuckers. Yeah, and it's amazing, but yeah, it was. I mean RIP but Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, and, and I think personalities like you're describing yours, and I know for myself, it's all too easy to be scared. Like, I, I find myself, like, committing to things and then backing out a lot because Ooh. I panic. And, dude, and that's, are you kidding me? That's my that's my it, mo, dude. In our <laughs> our current, I know. I, I think it's only going to get worse. But our society and the gimmick gadgets and everything we have it's, it's makes it so that. easy to do that. Yeah, it's creating. You don't that even have to call them anymore. No, you no. just text them out. Yeah, that's and I get all this relief from that. Yeah, so, no, 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 shit. That's funny that you said that. It's fucking hilarious because I mean that's a that's which a, is terrible. Yeah, it is. It is that we have it a comes lot up of the territory, but it's terrible. It's technology, man. We gotta, you know. Do you know? Uh, I don't know if you saw that, but yeah, like last week or the week before, they said there was an AI that was. They didn't think English or language that we use was good enough, so they decided to make their own language, and they started made up their own language. Well, the scientists turned the motherfuckers off. Yeah, they're like, no, thanks, Terminator. No, I, I heard that on NPR the other day. I can't wait for that, for them, that they, language to say, we were, don't need you. These scientists were like, it might be the same deal. But I they, think it is. They were like, they're teaching themselves shit stuff they, we don't understand. Yeah. And it's scaring the shit out of us. Yeah. So we're bailing. Like, 
we need to build a dumber one, basically, yeah. like, yeah. as dumb as they us. They can only get as, dumb, as smart as us. Like, you can't let them get smarter yeah. than us. Because they'll know we're worthless on the planet. Well, if those, That's what they'll figure about, out. Here's a scary thought. If those scientists that are above the board, we assume, can do that, don't you think there's an evil scientist out there? I'm hoping. <laughs> I'm hoping. Just to make it interesting. Like a Gargamel type. Oh, someone got their $90,000 Corvette Stingray just towed. Cancel Rum Towing. Jesus Christ, what a fucking good old boy bullshit fucking thing that is. A Rakata. <laughs> so, okay. I mean, we hit an hour, man. We're good. If there's anything, I mean, this won't be the only time. My show won't be until they put me in the ground. So conversations will happen again. That's my, my point. Uh, yeah, things are things are looking good looking good for the show, folks. Like I said, I'll have Peg Boy during the fest. They said yes. Sweet. What? Still waiting on Hum. I need someone to get into that Hum line for me. <laughs> if anybody knows Hum and you like Pops a little bit, Throw it in their ear. Let them know. You got to talk to this dumb hick. He'll make the sh- It's fine. It's fine. I'll ask you. I seriously will not ask you bad questions. It will not be like getting interviewed by a German person. I guarantee you that. <laughs> Who doesn't speak English? And I don't mean that in a bad way. I've just watched a lot of those questions, and they're not really good questions. But um, you guys check me out on iTunes, SoundCloud. Uh, Give them your websites of stuff that they could find your music oh, and everything. I mean, Sounds of Subterranea is the label. Caleb and Stewart's his name. On Instagram, yeah, Caleb Stewart with a K. Okay, is that the it's, name of the project as well, the music? It's just Caleb Stewart. And okay. I, on Instagram, I think it's Caleb underscore Stewart underscore music. Okay. That's well, where I'll announce. Well, there it is, guys. We got... I got. I know way more about this gentleman than I have ever, <laughs> and we got to do it in an hour. And I think that's why I do the show. And I think people realize that I'm a good enough talker, and I pay enough attention. And I do care about the people that I'm talking yes. to enough to to realize that this is something that this is a real connection between me and you. Yeah, it's fun. You know, and it's and fun. and I hope again. I really hope you enjoyed it. I appreciate you coming and meet me at Big Blues. Check them out. Big Lou's throw a shout out out to you. Maybe you'll make me your delivery driver. I won't get, but I didn't say that. You gotta tag him on this. <laughs> yeah, posts. I'm going to. But thanks again, everybody, for listening. All two of you in China. I do have listeners in China and the Philippines and South America. We've got a big following in South America. I'm getting a lot of huge hip hop artists from Atlanta. Which is amazing to me. I don't know why, but a lot of dudes are starting, like, hip-hop people are starting to get into it, too. So I'm like, maybe I got to do a hip-hop festival in Gainesville. You know? Bring bring down new talent from Atlanta. Because yeah, there's a, actually a lot of good musicians on SoundCloud. Migos was here on Thanksgiving. Yeah, they weren't here that long ago. So we were getting some good shit. But to all of you artists out there, you guys know what you do for everyone in the world. You share your love, your passion, your empathy, your sympathy. And you're carrying your pain, your hurt, and we appreciate you for all of it. And Caleb, I thank you for everything that you've done as an artist. I look up to you as an artist. And uh, more power to you. Let's get this record going. I, I want to yeah. see you do something. Fuck them up in Europe. You're going to. They're going to love it over there, I guarantee you. I got a feeling. I got to tickle my pickle. <laughs> got to tickle my pickle about it. Yeah. Ugh. Gross. But... 
Everybody, please check Caleb out. Y'all look out for one another. Take care of one another. Uh, I love you all. I appreciate you all. Hey, pigs, put your guns down. And then another hashtag that me and Tom Miller came up with the other day. Hey, cops, put your pigs down. So we love you guys. Peace out. Deuces.